Josh Pollard. I'm Joe Distasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. And this is the third episode of our Mass Effect Andromeda series. Every week, we play through a chunk of the game and then get together to discuss it. So Josh, last time we talked about our first mission to EOS, where we discovered this giant, awesome-looking underground remnant vault. We activated the terraforming machine, and now the planet is, well, it's in better shape than it was before. That's for sure. Enough so that we were able to establish our first outpost, and we both chose to make this a science outpost, not a military outpost. Indeed, indeed. And a little disappointed still that we both picked the same option there. So that's what we talked about last time. And this time, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We teased this a little bit last time, I think. Uh, The last section that we played through was huge. We talked about how long that Priority Ops mission was on EOS. And then after that, there was a lot of time spent getting to know lots of characters in the game, our our crew members and, and a bunch of people on the Nexus itself. And then there were also a fair number of side missions that opened up. So that seems to be the pattern, right? On a Mass Effect yeah. game. Oh, definitely. You go do your missions, you come back, and then somebody's got something else to say to you. You got you gotta <laughs> right. you gotta make your rounds. You're the commander or the captain, in this case the Pathfinder, and you gotta just go talk to everybody and see what else they have to say. Right. And this time around, because we've played through all of the three previous Mass Effects, it feels like there's a lot more side missions this time. Yeah, some some more substantial than others, mm-hmm. but there there are quite a few tasks listed in our, in the journal. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna start with the side missions that we've played through since the EOS mission, and then we're gonna go into uh, meeting all of the characters, what sorts of interactions we've had with those characters, and of course, because it's a Mass Effect game, talk about any potential romancing that happened Ooh. with those characters. <laughs> It wouldn't be Mass Effect without romance. Can't wait. Right. So let's get it kicked off with some side missions on the Nexus. Uh, so the first one you come across probably before anything else is this one called First Murderer. And it turns out that there's been a murder and there's been a trial. And this guy who's been accused of murder is in a prison cell. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're planning to do with him. But this is our opportunity to come in and, I don't know, make a difference, maybe pass judgment, check things out. Right. Because we are approaching this from a completely unbiased standpoint because we weren't here when the murder happened, the alleged murder happened, or uh, for the the court process, whatever that actually looked like. Uh, all we know is that he's been found guilty. His sentence is to be exiled. Well, that seems to be that seems to be the sentence for everything. Right. And we don't really know what that means. Like, where are they going to send these people who are exiled? How exactly do you exile somebody in a in a in a galaxy that doesn't seem to support human life on any planet that we've discussed, <laughs> right. that we've seen so far? How does that work? I don't know. Are they given a ship and a supply of oxygen and say, that good luck? Seems unlikely. But I, yeah, I don't. So I don't really know. Uh, I, you know, we don't, so we obviously, we don't have to go through all of the steps of, of the side mission, but we come to find out by eventually going to EOS and doing some, some actual physical evidence gathering that he didn't actually murder the guy. In fact, he didn't even kill him at all. No, he didn't. But he 
he did try to though. So he didn't actually kill. This guy was ended up being shot by something else, probably a cat. Probably a cat. Because yep. these guys were on the planet. Who knows what they were doing? I don't remember. But uh, they were trying to escape, get out. And so he was shot. He was blown apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on our evidence, actually, our guy here, and I wish I wrote his name down because it'd be easier to talk about this, but uh, he didn't actually shoot. Or he no. did. No, the thing is, he did shoot. He did so shoot. So that's it. He did shoot, but he missed his target. Right. While at the, just coincidentally, at the same time, he's getting shot from another, from a cat. Right. And I, I believe there's an audio recording. Yep. That's like, the guy's like, I, I'm sorry, I have to do this, but I can't, I've got to, I've got to survive. You can't, you can't let us die on this planet. Mm-hmm. So we have an admission of attempted murder, but we know through the evidence he didn't actually do it. So we get back to the Nexus and we inform everybody of this and they're like, well, what do you want, what do you want to well, do? I wouldn't say everybody. That's kind of important. We That's didn't true. inform everybody. That's true. Just we, Director Tan. We, we talked to the convicted dude and Director Tan. Mm-hmm. and. Director Tan says, well, this is a giant mess now. This would be way easier (laughs) if you would have just proven that he did murder this guy. Mm -hmm. Because it's really important that we set a baseline for what justice looks like here. And that we're going to, you know, we're not going to stand for murder and for all of this stuff. And that people need to know that we're in charge here and we're not going to let this crap stand by. So... So things are a little bit more complicated than a lot more like, complicated. than we'd like them to be. Right. And so director Tan, that's right, director <laughs> decides that he doesn't want the responsibility of what to this do guy with is the such situation. a loser. He is such a loser. And instead says, Well, you're the one who found all this out, Pathfinder. <laughs> you make the decision. Should we should we just continue with exiling this guy? Because after all, he did want to murder the person. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to let this convicted murderer free? What did you choose? <laughs> well, I thought about it and I don't think I took too long to make this decision. It ultimately came down to, okay, he technically didn't kill him, but mm-hmm. it was attempted murder. Right. This wasn't some sort of mistake. This wasn't like evidence tampering. He, he flat out wanted to kill this guy. Mm-hmm. He was just inept at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so given that I only had two choices, one, get rid of him like off the station altogether or keep him around and people know. Well, I don't know if that people would actually find the truth that he did actually try to. Mm-hmm. It, I felt that it was better for everyone to get rid of this guy. Oh, my gosh. I had to get rid of him. Now, ideally, there would be a third option. I don't know what that option would be. <laughs> like, it, well, it seems like why are the only options you're completely free or you're completely at the mercy of the galaxy why isn't there a well let's let's lock you up for a little like why isn't there a prison or something in in some sort of rehabilitation mm. system set up here there's nothing like that why are these the two options mm. given that those were the only two i thought i felt safer with he, he's not innocent completely not completely he's guilty of a crime right. attempted murder so right. you try to kill someone right so what did you do Yeah, he is guilty of attempted murder, but that isn't what he was tried for. This dude was not tried for attempted murder. So I couldn't stand by and have this guy locked up or worse, exiled, which probably means death, for something he didn't actually do. So I let him go. That's a good point. That should have been another option. Retrial. 
Yes. Try him for the actual crime. Right. He's, exactly. He's innocent or not guilty of his his crime that he was tried for, and he should have been retried right. for the different crime. Yep. But this is a video game. This is Mass Effect. <laughs> right. It's a side mission. Yeah. With really no lasting consequences. Maybe. Well, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe. Maybe there are. Um, so those were our two options. Yeah. That was a neat one. I thought that was good for a good first side quest. I thought I, that was pretty cool. Yeah. This has been my my favorite side quest so far, you know, as, as someone who's really into this for the story stuff, that was a really interesting story. And, and I like the ones that make you make maybe potentially difficult decisions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I didn't find that a difficult decision. And my concern was that you and I would choose the same thing because that was the right decision to make. (laughs) And I I was hoping that you were going to stick by your, your traditional way of handling RPGs where you tend to play a, a more bad person. And you kind of did that this time around. <laughs> In my opinion. <laughs> it's you took time the, role-playing. You took the, the weak way out. Yes. yes you, are, uh, you are role-playing. Uh, I don't yeah, think so that you're personally I think I, a real I can't wait to see person. what our other decisions are. I, this is, I think, the best part. Yeah. So uh, the next side mission I did was station sabotage mm-hmm. in the Nexus. And the setup here is that there's a worker. I don't know what he's working on, electrical panels or something. Right. And he's saying that these, these things keep breaking down and, it, and it's, there's a certain pattern to them and that he suspects that somebody is doing this. This is sabotage. This isn't just mechanical failure. Mm-hmm. So you got to help him out, try to trace down who it was. You find somebody, but they're thinking the same thing. They're thinking the same thing that the first dude is. She's, she says, Oh yeah, I've got evidence that it's this other guy. Mm-hmm. And so you realize, well, you're probably both being set up. Yeah. Eventually you find this other guy. I believe his name is Dale. And you <laughs> confront him. And he's like, listen, I hate all of you guys. The, the, I am not treated well here. This whole thing is messed up. This did not go as, as planned. I'm not happy. And so I was doing this stuff. Yeah, so you were, he, you, he was basically trying to voice his protest by, with bombs. Like, really? That, that's, at least that's what it seems like he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Dam- damaging, I assume, critical equipment. Right. But it could also kill people. Sure. It's kind of a dangerous thing. So we're left with yet another situation here where our, we have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't care. Do whatever you want to me. <laughs> <laughs> I made my point or whatever. And the options that were presented with this time? I believe it was, get out of here. You're exiled. Or, listen, just stop it and go and just you can stay here but just stop doing this stuff those are our two options again (laughs) go free or get out what'd you do you know honestly this decision was so inconsequential to me that i didn't even remember there being a decision (laughs) and this was only a couple nights ago that i played this i don't i don't even honestly remember what i don't think i exile because i don't remember exiling being an option even so i don't think that i did that but could it have the the other option was really just let him go? Like I just think so. Give him a stern talking to and I be actually on your way? did that one quite a few. Like it's been maybe a week and a half or so mm. since I've done that one, and I don't quite remember. I'm pretty sure I did the get out of here. Yeah, and that seems to be a reoccurring. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't. I don't like the way you look. You're exiled. But but this was just so. Such an unimportant side mission. Seemingly. Like it and it I hope, seemed and, like it was going to be pretty important, right. especially when 
you know, you talk to the first dude and he's like, there's somebody doing this. And then you find out that they're over on the Hyperion. And I, I had started that before we even did the EOS missions. Mm -hmm. And, but then they said, oh, they're over on the Hyperion. And then I find out about the EOS priority ops mission. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to go all the way back to the Hyperion. I just wanted to do this priority ops mission. (laughs) But I had this feeling in me like, dude, if there's a saboteur over on this arc mm-hmm. with 20,000 frozen people waiting to be woken up, like this could be really bad. That does seem like a priority. And it's my arc. Like <laughs> it's not some other species arc. It's my arc. Mm-hmm. It's the only arc that we know of so far that's actually made it in. But in, in the end, this was kind of a, a lame side mission overall. Another side mission i think it's part of the family mysteries or talking with sam and 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 getting your father's memories Mm -hmm. you can go visit your sibling yep uh down in uh cryo cryo Mm -hmm. bay yep they're they're not in their pod anymore they're laying in a bed and they're just in a coma and you can go down there and visit them and what happens is that she's got an implant they've i don't know if the sibling has an implant Sorry, I got to get get my pronouns right. (laughs) (laughs) Your sibling has an implant and they're going to try to, Sam wants to try to make a connection here. So even though your sibling is in a coma and Mm. not, you know, conscious, awake, talking to you, let's see if we can communicate it in some other way. I don't, I'm wondering since now we, it's not just a gender swap. These are two different characters. So I'm, I'm wondering how, you know, your sibling reacted compared to my sibling. Do they just have the same lines? Do they just say that, do they just have the same lines and they just, it's this different voice actor doing it or do they actually behave like different characters? I don't know. Yeah. So my sibling, the Scott Ryder, he didn't seem super freaked out or surprised that we were able to communicate, but he, he, he was just kind of like, Oh, this is, this is different, but I'm just going to roll with this. Cause mm-hmm. we're, we're talking Sa- Sarah, my Sarah, she seems a little freaked out. She is, she's, she's saying things like, is this a dream? Is this real? And you know, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So does that sound different than what you experienced? Well, not really, but she's, he, in my case is able to move on from that pretty quickly. Okay. Cause it's, it's not long that you end up talking to this person. So yeah. they, they kind of move on quickly so that you can get on with, with actually discussing the things that you wanted to discuss. Right. So the more, the more important things to discuss here are what's going on mm-hmm. uh wh- why can't I, why aren't i awake kind of thing where's dad what's he doing and how are how's the beautiful world that we're expecting right and so i i think there's actually two decisions here there's one main one but i think there's a smaller one first okay because he asked how is the world that we found is it amazing mm-hmm. and how did you respond to that I found both this question and the, and the subsequent question difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Once again, because I don't feel like I have enough options. I, I need a free form. I want Siri or something like, listen, just <laughs> this is what I want to say. Figure it out and, and communicate this to her. Because the options are completely lie about it mm-hmm. or tell the truth. And I have a hard time with this because I don't lie usually to people. Uh, I'm really bad at it. Right. And... As a parent, I have made it a point to not lie to my children mm-hmm. about nearly anything, mm-hmm. including Santa Claus, including Santa Claus <laughs> and just about anything. 
I mean, I may try to distract occasionally. Sure. Um, or not go into as much detail as necessary because mm-hmm. of children. Right. But I tend to not lie to them. And so here I am talking to my sibling and I don't want to lie to them because I feel like I'm betraying them when they wake up and be like, you told me that. Mm-hmm. So I, my instinct was to go with truth. Okay. So you told, you told your sibling the truth about the planet. Yes. And I did the same thing because my thought was, it's not that big of a deal. Like we know that there are lots of planets here. And mm-hmm. if this one didn't work out, it's, it's fine. We'll mm-hmm. make it work. Yep. And they seem to respond in, in about that same way like they weren't like oh my gosh that's devastating i don't want to wake up from an echo from this coma now (laughs) Uh but then the the second question is how's dad right and you can say well he's dead (laughs) right be brutally honest or he's just on a mission right now yeah i I had i had to be honest you told him the truth i had to be honest i said listen i don't know how to say this but dad's dead Wow. See, I, I didn't. I, I was fine telling my sibling the truth about the planet, but there was no way I was going to tell my sibling that their father died while they're in a coma. I, I figured this is one that, that I'll, I'm just going to have to tell you the truth later. <laughs> so how did, how did your sibling take it? She did not take it very well, and I, I regretted my decision immediately. <laughs> this, was a, this was a learning moment for me. Um, but again, I wish I could have said, you know, it, it, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about that right now. I, I want to know about you and uh, something like that. Again, distract or change the subject or something without having That's to That's out- harder to do with adults, though. Adults who are in a coma and don't, aren't quite conscious, maybe. I don't know. They That's don't, just, they're not talking to you like they're it. In a, in I would have tried it anyway. <laughs> and she, she was very upset and it quickly ended the conversation. I mean, I wouldn't say immediately, but... But, you know, she's starting to show signs of, of the, losing this communication, this whatever, this, mm. this AI to AI, whatever. Right. So, well, that makes me curious then how your conversation ended. Did it just, like, was your person, was your guy, Scott, was he okay? Was he emotionally upset? No, because I just flat out lied and said that the dad was out on a mission. And he did ask one more follow-up question, okay. but it wasn't a big deal. I, I like it wasn't that important not important enough for me to remember (laughs) Uh, but just some sort of follow-up question and you basically just deflected the answer okay and then shortly after that the conversation does end but it's not like out of duress or anything they're Mm -hmm. just like okay well um this isn't this isn't working out great and we need to try this again later essentially right yeah so yeah it's not like he was so upset about it that he couldn't communicate anymore. It was just a, well, this, this connection doesn't last for hours. We've, sure. we've got to wrap this up now. Yeah. So yeah, she was like, I, I just, I gotta go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where she's going. Hangs up her Sam. <laughs> slams, slams it down. Slams it down. <laughs> in her mind. <laughs> Dial down. So that's that. Uh, those are all the side missions that I had for uh, the Nexus. There are a few others to do, but um but we haven't gotten through all of them yet. And, and, and for a little bit of backstory on how we've played these Mass Effect games previously, especially with Mass Effect 2 and 3, we played almost every side quest in those games. Uh, yeah, not in the first game. Not in the first one. Definitely but in two the third and three. one and two for the most part. Yeah, which I don't 
for me is not typical. You know, I, I played all the way through Fallout 3 and I didn't do, there was lots of side quests that I didn't do. I, I'm just, I'm not a completionist sort of person. But with Mass Effect 2 and 3, there weren't like this huge number of side quests that mm. felt, you know, burdensome that there were so many. And a lot of them were really interesting, especially in 2, where the whole game is about building up your crew, basically. And, and doing and, the loyalty missions. And doing their loyalty more about missions. Them. Right. And so those I felt really invested in. But some of these ones, meh. Like, some of these we're just not going to get to. And right now, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah, especially some of these on EOS. There's, there's a couple of these missions that you've gotten from the scientists. They're like, go go throw rocks at things or something, or go scan these plants. And, <laughs> and it, has, it has a counter. It's like 0 out of 16. And I'm like, I don't think I'm going to do that. Right. But one, uh, one mission I did do on EOS was called The Secret Project. And I just stumbled upon it while doing the main mission for uh, a better beginning, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. Our main mission on EOS. And I like ran right over site two in my <laughs> in my nomad. And it's right. like, oh, here's a quest. So I came back to that one. And it, apparently there was a, a second site that was working on some sort of technology or something. And and we now need to collect three of these pieces and put them back together and scan it. Mm-hmm. Does that does that ring a bell? Is am I am I thinking of this right? No, you're you're absolutely thinking of this right. And and I just stumbled across this mission also. Um there's a little bit more to it in the in that this one is the first side mission that I've done that actually had fighting. That's because Ket show up. And not just regular Ket, some monster Ket is there being locked up inside of one of the buildings. <laughs> this guy's huge. It was enormous. And he feels like he has armor all over himself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, maybe you, he was a little bit more vulnerable in the back, I felt. But yeah, he, was, he took a lot of damage. I died mm-hmm. a couple times on this one because you're just surrounded by regular Ket people. Mm-hmm. And then this guy, he... He wants nothing more than to kill you. Right. Or maybe kiss you. I don't know. But he kept <laughs> coming at me, even jumping on top of the buildings. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was pretty cool. I looked in the codex. He's a, he's a fiend mm-hmm. is what he's called. So I felt like I glitched that whole mission. What did you do? Well, so I died a couple of times mm-hmm. pretty quickly, especially when you know, I was on like the lower part of the building on top of it. And he jumped up there and just smashed me. <laughs> and so it was probably my third or fourth time after dying. And and I'm going to blame the fact that I died a few times on the fact that it had been days since I even shot anything in this game. <laughs> I had to get reacquainted with the combat mechanics of, of how this game all worked. So the the time that I successfully beat everything, I just immediately jumped all the way to the highest roof of that building. and. Then, A, it seemed like either there just weren't very many Ket, because I might have seen eight of them, or my squad mates were killing them off before I even saw them, which is, I suppose, a possibility. But then the the fiend, the giant beast, just ended up standing in one place on the ground, you know, probably 30 yards out from the building, and was just shooting his little slime balls at us or whatever it uh-huh. is. And didn't move. You just shot him. To and death. so I just shot him, shot him, shot him, reload. It had jumped out of the way of his slime ball. 
Shot him, shot him, shot Jeez, him. Jeez, did you go back and shoot him in the back of the head too? Nope, it was super lame. Um, <laughs> and then after I killed him, there were apparently still two more cat out there to be killed. And they were just hanging out like stuck mm. on some distant building. And I sniper rifled one of them in the head, which in distant building. caused the other one to figure his crap out and get moving and came and <laughs> ran up to the building and then shot him. <laughs> and it was way easy. It was way easier than it was supposed to be. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and nothing, again, nothing consequential seems to come out of there except research points. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so the, the other, the other one that we briefly touched on with when we went to talk to our sibling uh, part of that sort of side quest is unlocking these memory blocks. And and we talked about this um, on the last episode. Right, right. But there was one thing that I noticed that seemed really, really weird to me about this this particular side quest. What's that? How are there memory block things in places where Alec never went? <laughs> It's a, it's a video game right I, I, that's that's the only thing i can come up with this is one of those you know willing suspension of that's funny i didn't things. think about that yeah like how were there these things on eos yeah I, when alec I found was never there one or two on eos right yeah yeah so that that's all i wanted to, to point out about memory blocks and i think that's all of the side missions that we're going to talk about today so let's get into what i think is probably more interesting other like other than that mission about the murder. Other than exiling people? Other than exiling people is, well, what about all these people that you're meeting? Because we met so many people. Tons of people last time. Because we got our, our ship, like we talked about last time, the Tempest, mm-hmm. which means we got a whole bunch of new crew. Not, I'm not even talking about people going out on missions with you. Just people who were running the ship. And then we did get, what, three squad mates in the last episode? So mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of people to talk to. Yes. Do, you, do you have a favorite so far? Ooh, a favorite. favorite? Let's so start with squad mate. Do you have a favorite squad mate? So our squad mates would be Cora, Liam, Vetra, and PB and Drac. Don't forget that, Krogan. <sighs> get upset. I I always tend to start these games with just keeping my humans yep. with me. You know, my favorite right now, it's probably a toss-up between Cora and Drac. Interesting. Okay. Why yeah. is that? Cora's a really interesting and complicated person. Mm. And Drac is in some ways very different than any other Krogan we've met in any of the previous games. He seems far more grounded. Mm. He's not he's not just one hundred percent I wanna kill everything <laughs> all the time. Do you think that's because of his age? It probably is. We we talked about last last time that he he's over a thousand years old mm-hmm. and i did check and it yeah he was born around 700 ce they have in the codex for the common mm-hmm. era um so yeah he's ancient yeah really really stinking old they said that he was like just a like a young a little young guy uh during the initial krogan rebellions so this guy's wow. seen a lot yeah for sure so who's your favorite of, of the squad mates i don't really have like a super favorite right now uh probably vetra if I if I had to pick one, I would say Vetra is my favorite. We haven't seen a whole lot of what these guys to do, and we haven't brought a lot of them on missions yet, right? The first the first mission on EOS we had Cora and Liam, mm-hmm. and so now that now that we can go out and do more things, go on to the next mission, we can swap out some of these squad mates. We'll see how they start talking to you during mission, right? And I think I'll develop a favorite pretty quick. But uh, so far, just just uh, uh, personality and 
uh, the way that she handles things, Vetra, I think is, is my favorite. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, the, the other interesting thing is that none of these people are people that I dislike greatly. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there were absolutely squad mates in previous games that I did not like at all. And that's not the case so far. Right. I, I, Cora, like you said, she's complicated. And I think that's why I don't want to talk to her too much <laughs> because I'm like, listen, this is a little bit too much drama over here. Like you, you're just too, there's too much. Hmm. And, and, and what it is really is the, the not really drama, but the issue with Cora is, as we mentioned, I think in the first episode is that she was supposed to be the pathfinder. She was second in command. She still is second in command to you now that mm-hmm. you're the pathfinder. And it's, and she did talk about this a little bit. It doesn't seem like it's that she's resentful. It's not like she's like, well, I was supposed to have that job. Mm-hmm. It's, she's, con- she's just confused. She's conflicted because she was training for a certain thing. She was looking forward to and prepared for a certain situation. Mm-hmm. And now that this hasn't happened and things, it's like she had no contingency, pl- contingency plan for this. She didn't expect this to happen. She's she's like, I don't even know what my purpose is right now. Right. I feel like she's a little um, high maintenance. I feel like she's high maintenance. Huh. And so I still talk to her, but I feels like it takes so much out of me. Yeah. See, uh, I, I don't I don't really feel the same way. Like there's definitely she is struggling with the fact that she's not the Pathfinder for sure. But she's. She's dealing with it pretty well because she's not being a spoiled, entitled little brat. She's still serving her role. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that probably comes down to her military background. She was an Asari yep. commando. Yep. She absolutely understands chain of command. And she's here to do a job and she's going to do it to the best of her ability, which is really, really good. But it, one thing I, I had another conversation with her later and she's in there, she's trying to garden. She's never been able to <laughs> garden before and she wants to garden and it's working and she's finding a lot of happiness in her gardening. And that makes me happy that she's happy. And the other thing that she basically says is that her dream for Andromeda is that this would be a galaxy that doesn't have outsiders. Because she spent her whole life being an outsider. She was this human with biotic abilities mm-hmm. that it was super uncommon. You know, she she never really fit in with humans because of her incredible biotic abilities. So she went to be an Asari commando, but she didn't really fit in with them either because she wasn't Asari. <laughs> so she came out here looking for a place where she could fit in, yeah. where she wouldn't feel like an outsider. And I really like that. I mean, it's very idealistic and it's not going to happen, (laughs) but I really like that. That's what she's trying to do. It's a really noble thing to be trying to achieve. I I agree. Uh, um, She, I like that. I like that she is, she does have that complicated background. She does seem to have some motivation. Um, I just, you know, I'd rather go talk to somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Perhaps Liam? Not, well, see, here's the thing. Then you get to Liam and he's not complicated. No, he's not. <laughs> he, there's barely any conversation choices with him. Mm-hmm. And he, he has a little bit of a background. We know that he was a former cop. He's, he's had that sort of, of background. People, dis- people uh, on the crew, on the ship, describe him as fun and full of energy. And I kind of get that. 
Yeah, he's rearranging couches around <laughs> on the ship and stuff. But he's mostly just kind of laid back, at yep. least on the ship. And there's really not much else going on with him. No, so, he's not very deep. So I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent to Liam right now. Yeah, he's a fun coworker. I appreciate Cora's complexities. Yes. But Vetra, much cooler. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And we talked about her a fair amount last time. Yes. She, she is, she, she's a cool personality. She, the way that she gets things done and the way that she just takes command of situations is, is admirable and, and cool and could be very beneficial in the future. We talked about PB a little bit last time in that she's a little annoying, childlike. Mm-hmm. It said that she is young by Asari standards. Right, well, not so she's probably standards. like 200. She's young, yeah. <laughs> uh, 100 or something like that. And her, her restlessness and her hyperactive, uh, to, her hyperactivity is, is common with uh, Asari that age. And I think they call it their, their maiden, maiden years or something like that. I don't mm. know. So, uh, but not many, it says not many go on uh, a trip to another galaxy. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think she's, I think she's fun to talk to when yeah. you're not out on a mission. She's, I mean, she's, she's clearly motivated. She's, uh, she's curious. Mm-hmm. She wants to know about these remnant and I like that about her. Um, but she doesn't like to talk about her past that much. New. No. We know that, um, she came with somebody and that they're no longer friends. Um, but we don't know what happened there. I think, uh, it's interesting that in the codex, it does list her full name or what she's claiming is her full name which is Pelasaria Basale PB um <laughs> maybe it's Pelasaria Pelasaria I don't know I'm disappointed that, that you're not better at, at figuring out how to pronounce these crazy alien names. Asari names right uh, but it says that it's it may not be her real name and that hmm. the person who has that name is listed as not having supposed to be woken up yet so there might be some further mystery there Mm, I like it. I don't know. That makes me less annoyed with her. <laughs> there could be some interesting stories going on. And then our final squad mate. Well, final squad mate that we've met. There are t- still two slots open for future squad mates. The final one is Drac, the, the Krogan. We've already kind of talked about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I also wanted to, to point out that he is Kesha's grandfather. Kesh, the female Krogan on the Nexus, mm-hmm. who is the superintendent. He is her grandfather. I mean, that's surprising when he's when he's a million freaking years old. He's <laughs> probably the grandfather and you know, <laughs> relative race. of lots of <laughs> lots and lots of Krogan. All right, so then we have the ship's crew. We've got a lot of yeah, all this all the typical people that we usually see. We've got a, we've got a medical officer, engineer, uh, pilot, so on and so forth. So um, let's start in no particular order. We have Lexi Tapero, who's in Asari, mm-hmm. and. Uh, She's she is the doctor, the medical officer, and she is voiced by Natalie Dormer, who is Marjorie uh, from Game of Thrones. That doesn't mean anything to me, but, but it's I don't an watch example Game of, of putting a celebrity in, uh, in in the game, right? Because I don't I don't know who the other voice actors. I'd have to look them up, but there were there was some pre release hype, mm. uh, some videos showing her doing some uh, behind the scenes, okay, uh, voice acting and stuff. So it was pretty cool. And and I I like Lexi. She's been she's been cool to to talk with, uh, but. That's about it. Like she's she's fine. She's yeah, she cool. doesn't she doesn't say too much. Um, but it she she describes herself as being a workaholic. She's young, 
uh, the the crew describe her as maybe on the more on the quiet side. Um, but she is an expert on alien anatomy, which includes humans, because she's not a human, and so humans are aliens to her. <laughs> and that is why she's uh, she came to this uh, galaxy. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, nothing else really. Nope. I don't. I I like her just fine. Mm-hmm. I I loved the Doctor in mm-hmm. the first three games, yeah. though. Like I, you've formed a, a real relationship with that doctor, so it's it's hard to live in the shadow of that. Sure. Hopefully, we'll get some more from her. Then we have Gil Brody, male human. He's the engineer. Um, I couldn't get a lot out of him when talking to him. No. In the game, nope. It was, it was more of just reactions to other people, and I couldn't get too much about him as a person, his history. But thank you, Codex. We got some information. Uh, he's a street kid from Earth. Uh, he was unschooled. Uh, he didn't go to school much, but he just he, he found an aptitude in, in math and, and spatial reasoning. He's the kind of guy who just he just loves taking things apart, putting them back together, figuring out how they work and building mm-hmm. other things out of it. So you, it makes sense. He's the engineer on the right, ship. Right. And he he uh, ever since it's I don't know if it's been since it's been built, but I think it's since we've been here, he was woken up and he's really helped get the Tempest up and running. So he's an important guy. Absolutely. Now, he also has a friend. A good friend that he that uh, it, her name is Jill that is brought to the Nexus with him, and she's not awake yet. I don't think, but that's like all that we can get from maybe you know family or or history of of friendships or what have you. Yeah, he's he's not a very open book, except when it comes to poker. Apparently, he's a big poker player. Um, did you get that from the Codex? Because I don't think I got that from him. Well, it was it was in the Codex, and also I came back around another lap around the ship oh okay and ever like, i think four of our squad mates well four of all these guys including crew members were in the the bay with the nomad two of them were up on the balcony and two were down and they were just mm-hmm. chit-chatting and talking about hey we should go play a poker game i'm gonna beat you this time and <laughs> stuff like that i love those little side conversations yeah. all right we've what? also got uh Kalo? We're pronouncing it Kalo, right? Kalo uh, Jeff? I think it's Kalo. Kalo, right. He Kalo is, Jeff. And we mentioned him a little bit last time. He is the Solarian pilot of the ship. Uh, pretty interesting guy. He was the test pilot. Like The last few years of, of his life has been dedicated to this ship. And now he's our pilot and seems uh, absolutely qualified for it. And uh, we mentioned last time all these Solarians have photographic memories. His is, his is exceptional. Not sure how that helps you to be a better pilot, but whatever, especially in a, in a galaxy that no one's ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems very proud of his work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came back and talked to him later. I don't know if you've seen this. He was getting pretty irritated with Gil, <laughs> with our engineer. They seem to have a different way of looking at things. Um, He's he's irritated that Gil keeps redesigning things. So Gil is working with what he has, and if he if he knows a better way or a way that he's more familiar with with working with something or having a certain piece of equipment a certain way, he will go ahead and do that. And Kalo's like, no, 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 that's not how it was blueprinted. I don't like it that way. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Stop changing it. Yeah, and those two are physically separated as much as possible <laughs> on the ship and i think that's probably a good thing. pilots right up front on the bridge yep and the engineer is way, way in the back, back of the ship <laughs> that's awesome so my my probably yeah yeah definitely my favorite crew member so far is suvi suvi she's suvi female female human yep 
from she is the science officer from Ireland or Scotland. She's got like or, a Scottish accent, yeah. I think. Uh, I always, I always get a messed up. Yeah, she got red hair, like yeah, and she's very much into science. And she's the science officer. She comes from her parents were scientists. Like science is running through this this woman's blood, mm-hmm. but she's also. Of all of the people that we've met so far in the game, the most spiritual. Yes. And doesn't hide it. Like, she's not, like, beating people over the head with with her spiritual beliefs or anything. <laughs> but she's also not hiding it. No, and she's open about it. And nobody else seems to mention anything about God or a God or gods mm-hmm. in, like, any of the species. Do, do you remember any sort of... so far. Well, not, not, definitely not in this game. But in the older games, do you remember any sort of higher power or mythology with any of the species there was a little bit uh, i want to say with the i'm going to blank on the race but the we had the the character who wore the mask on her face turians turians yes no not turians Uh, no corians that's it i think they would frequently mention the gods okay thank the gods and Mm -hmm. you know stuff like that okay but outside of that uh and then uh, there was the guy who you met him in Mass Effect 2. He had a son. He was like an assassin. Oh, yeah. I don't remember his name. I loved his character, though. And he was spiritual. Okay. I have my, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, there's not a lot of, of religion and, and spirituality going on in the Mass Effect universe. Yep. But not the case with Suvi. Now, she doesn't get into what her actual religion is. I mean, you might assume Christian because she's a human, uh, but it could be Judaism. It could be Islam. It could be any, it could be some made up religion yep. that, that isn't a real thing, but she believes it and she's totally open-minded about it. She, um, she, she presents it as, cause you're, you question her, like sure. you're a science officer. Most scientists we know think that, that religion's a bunch of fooey. Mm-hmm. How, how does this, this work? And she says, well, my parents were scientists and you know, I, I grew up uh, around people who were just like, everything's got to be rational. Everything's got to be logical. And as a typical teenager, I rebelled. And for like, tip, when we think of teenage rebellion stories as humans, we think of, of kids going away from religion. <laughs> and instead, because her parents were scientists, it drove her to religion. Ah, teenagers. It's, it's a really you know, kind of interesting story there. A little flip. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's stuck, you know, she, she found a lot of, of meaning in that. And, and she said something that I personally actually very strongly identify with. She said at at one point in the conversation that God is an artist, an inventor, not someone watching if I brushed my teeth. And I love that because partly because that's basically how I feel, but it's, it, it's just such a nice thing to see someone represented in a game as being spiritual, but not being like, everyone else is going to hell. You're yes, all horrible. Not like she's, all over she's not like yep. that at all. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, re- it's refreshing to see in a yeah, game. Yeah, definitely. Any thoughts on Subi? Uh, nothing, nothing more than what you said. I think that leaves us to, the big romance discussion. Absolutely. Before we talk about the romance discussion, I wanted to mention something that is new to the series mm-hmm. and that romance is not new to the series. No, no, it's not. 
But the way that you can set up these, these romances is a little bit different. And in the dialogue wheel, when you're talking to people, when you're going around talking to your, your crew and your squad mates, there's a new, there's a new option. We talked about there's a casual type response, emotional, logical, and professional. And professional. They add a new one and it has a gigantic heart icon on it. <laughs> it's making it very clear that if you choose this, you are at, at least attempting to move forward in a relationship of some sort with this person. Right. So, so it's, it's making me feel even dumber that you're like, <laughs> they're making it so obvious because it's the second option in the dialogue wheel that has a heart. Yes. Because the emotional response is a small heart. It's a small heart. Though. And the romance one is a giant Big heart. heart. I, <laughs> my very first romancy thing in this game was when I accidentally hit on Cora. <laughs> I had no intention of hitting on Cora. Uh, we we were talking, uh, you know, we were basically kind of making up and and kind of working through the issue of she's not the Pathfinder and I am. And I I had the option of saying something like, "It'll be nice to walk side by side." And I thought, yeah, totally. Like, yeah, I want us to be in this mission together as maybe friends but definitely comrades you know and so i picked that option i'm like this seems like a, a nice option <laughs> and cora's response is is something like uh it's not that i'm not into women but i'm <laughs> not really into that with you right now or you know something like that and i'm like whoa 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 that is not what i meant at all <laughs> by that <laughs> okay so maybe i did the same thing <laughs> but it was clear after that like okay because this was a new it was a new position on the wheel mm -hmm. and yeah it became clear after that that's what that meant yeah. but then you see it you notice it and every other person it may Freaking not be every, every, it's it almost be every, every person yeah, almost every single person on the ship you can just start and it's not like once you choose one the others become locked out you can right. just start talking to everybody yeah you can be hitting on the whole galaxy <laughs> so aside from accidentally hitting on Cora. Mm -hmm. Was there anybody else you did at start try to romance? Um, there was, there was someone, but I don't even remember who it was, but I did pick the romance option, but not because I wanted to romance them. Like it was, it was kind of like the Cora situation where that was the option of something that I really wanted to say, mm -hmm. but not from a, I want to get in bed with you sort of, right. you know, direction. But I, I don't think that I've actively chosen a, a romance dialogue option with anybody else yet. In the previous games, I've been like, let's explore this romance stuff left and right. Yeah, Let, yeah. Let's, let's pick all yeah. of these options exactly. to, to see where this is going to go. <laughs> and I don't know why, but this time around, I'm being far more careful about this and, and, and who I would actually want want to potentially romance and i think part of it is my role feels so much more important mm. like in in the previous games you know you're trying to save the galaxy but you're kind of in your own little world like what's going on on your ship not really known by the rest of the universe i'm the friggin' pathfinder yep. it's like being the president yeah and if the president is out there romancing a dozen different people everyone is gonna know and that's that's going to say something about you and your leadership to everybody. 
So I'm being a lot more careful about that, which is interesting because what I've read is there's romancing options all over the place and you can romance lots of different people like within the same game. It's not locked out. It's not locked out to just being able to romance one person and then everybody else approaches you like, well, you're already spoken for. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything with you. It doesn't sound like that's the case. That's good to know that your options are open. They are open. I wonder if there are people outside of the ship also. I bet that there are. Or, or at least there will be more people within your kind of inner circle of people. So you don't find Drac attractive? Uh, He's a handsome yeah, that, guy. That, <laughs> no, I'm not, not really. He's a little older than you, but you know. A little. Age is just Age a ain't number. nothing but a number. Right? <laughs> uh, I, started, I started doing what I always do, which is just start exploring and see. Uh, so I, I did Cora, right? And she didn't seem to react very positively. Nope. And like I said, she's kind of high maintenance, so I don't think I'm going to do anything more with her. PB, sure. She sounds fun. Hey, even if it's not a serious thing, it could be fun to hang out with her. You know, the, <laughs> I think PB was probably the third person I talked to. <laughs> and PB is like throwing herself at me. <laughs> I don't know if she is for you, but she is throwing herself at me. I, I don't know if I would say throwing, but yeah, she's. She's up for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to I got to uh, Vetra. Now I'm male character. She's a female character. But you know what? Tyrians are just not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think I just I think she's awesome. She's more like my best friend. I think she's mm-hmm. my friend. I want to be her friend. Will she yeah. be my friend? Please. You don't, you don't want to wreck that friendship. No, not yeah. at all. Don't want to complicate that any. But I, I think that was I think that was it. Maybe Lexi, but she I may have done it with Lexi. I mean, I may have selected the romance option with Lexi, <laughs> but she, again, she didn't seem, she's like, no, you're my patient. This, this isn't going to work. Hmm. So I feel like I've been rejected a few times. <laughs> Starting off well. Really, the only positive is, is, is PB. So hmm. I guess, I guess that's who, that's who I will keep checking in with. So you're, you're a male character. Were there romance options with, with Gil or... Callow or Liam? Not with Callow, because as we discussed last episode, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't have any concept of right. romance, right? So I don't believe that option was presented. <laughs> although I wish it was, be so I could hear the response. <laughs> what about Liam or or Gil? Did those options show up? Do yeah, it showed up for it showed up for Gil. I didn't pursue it mostly because um, he's 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 mentioned this friend this girl oh right so i didn't want to i didn't want to it didn't feel right yeah. asking about that so <laughs> liam absolutely has the option now mm. at some point i was sitting on his couch after like he's moving oh. his couch around and i think i helped him move it a little bit mm-hmm. sit on the couch have some drinks and it had the option but i didn't mm. when i came back around and they're all all hanging out in the hangar or wherever where the nomad is mm-hmm. there was another option and it was there's there's an amb- no ambiguity here it has a big old heart icon right and it has the phrase, I am interested in you. <laughs> so yeah. it's very clear that that's an option, uh, but I did not do that. And yeah, there, and I, I didn't do, I, I guess I didn't even do it for half the people. So, okay. So that's where I'm at with my romance, my love life. All right. Here, got your eyes on PB. For, for PB's the, the one right now. Yeah. All I'll, right. I'll let you know if that changes. I'll fill you in <laughs> on the deets. <laughs> Uh, I look forward to it. It's a, it's a big part of any Mass Effect game. All right, so that's it for 
for this episode, what are, what are we going to talk about next time? What have we got to look forward to? We've got a couple of uh, priority ops missions coming up. There's a small one called AVP Cryo Deployment Perks, which I believe is about you know upgrading um, outposts and, and, and getting you perks and things. So um, that'll be interesting to see how that gameplay mechanic works. And then the next story mission, the main mission, is called A Trail of Hope. We have a lead on another one of those remnant vaults mm-hmm. and that seems to be active not disabled so we're gonna go check it out see what we can find before we get out of here let's go over our contact information if you want to shoot us an email you can do that at storyplayers at the digital or just use the contact form over at the digital you can find us on twitter at vg story players or if you just want to talk with me or joe Directly, I'm at Josh Pollard and Joe is at What Color Joe. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash VG Story Players. And then, of course, guys, we really need you to subscribe. We've got episodes of Mass Effect Andromeda coming out every week and lots of other fun games coming your way, too. So keep it subscribed, share it with your friends. And then, if you could do us a big favor, we would really appreciate it. If you could head over to iTunes or Apple podcast and leave us a rating and a review. That's it for our third episode of our Mass Effect Andromeda series. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Joe D'Astasio. And we'll be back for the fourth episode in our Mass Effect Andromeda series next week. <laughs>